My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of non-violently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this week's weekly podcast. Our title this week is The Speck and the Beam. Our feature text is Sayings Gospel Q 6, 41-42. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but the beam in your own eye you overlook? How can you say to your brother, let me throw out the speck from your eye and just look at the beam in your own? Hypocrite, first throw out from your own eye the beam, and then you will see clearly to throw Throw out the speck in your brother's eye. Our company text, our, our companion text this week are Luke 6, 41 through 42, Matthew 7, 3 through 5, and Gospel of Thomas 26. Luke 6 states, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Matthew 7 states, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me first take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Gospel of Thomas 26, Jesus states, you see the splinter that is in your brother's eye, but you do not see the beam that is in your own eye. When you remove the beam from your own eye, you will see clearly enough to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. This week, we are looking at a saying of Jesus that uh, it's become quite well known here in the U.S. thanks to the, the culture wars of the last century. The, the saying has various uh, names, but two of the most popular are the moat and the beam and Jesus's discourse on judgmentalism. This saying is at the root of Tony Campolo's uh, popular retort where he says, Jesus did not teach love the sinner, hate the sin. Jesus taught love the sinner, hate your own sin. And I'll give a link to uh, a reference to to that statement in the Esite. But historically, Campolo is right. The phrase hate the sin, love the sinner doesn't come from Jesus. It it came from a phrase that St. Augustine used in one of his 5th century letters. Um, and, And I'll reference that letter, letter 211. I'll reference that as well. The the Latin can be translated uh, of his statement with, with love for mankind and hatred of sins. But we have no record of Jesus ever using this phrase or anything like it. It's a phrase that, that Christians have used, but one that is, is foreign to the teachings of Jesus. Mahatma Gandhi also gave a, a pointed response uh, to this phrase in his own time as he reflected on the 
legacy of, of the Christian British colonialists in India. He writes, and this is from his autobiography, Mike's, uh, The Story of My Experiments with Truth, pages 143 and 144. Gandhi wrote, Man and his deed are two distinct things. Whereas a good deed should call forth approbation and a wicked deed disapprobation, the doer of the deed, whether good or wicked, always deserves respect or pity as the case may be. Hate the sin and not the sinner is a precept which, though easy enough to understand, is rarely practiced. And that is why the poison of hatred spreads in the world. For we are all tarred with the same brush and are children of one and the same creator. And as such, the divine powers within us are infinite. To slight a single human being is to slight those divine powers and thus to harm not only that being, but with him the whole world. For Jesus, if one wanted to be a source of healing and help in the wider world, the place to begin was with introspection. And ultimately, this close attention does go beyond oneself and says, then you will see clearly to throw out the speck in your brother's eye. But it does begin with oneself first. And what does this mean? I can't answer this question for you, but I can share with you what it has meant for me personally. Introspection and and my experience, I'm I'm a white, cisgender, heterosexual American man. I have to come to grips with what that means in this society before I can help to make the world a safer, more compassionate place. When it comes to privilege in America, with the exception of not having degrees from institutions of higher learning, I'm the poster child, and I have to explore my own blind spots before I can deeply serve others who are different from me. I've learned that I can't do this alone. I could probably make some progress sitting quietly contemplating my place in the status quo, but but, but I'm not sure that, that listening to the voices within my own head would produce that much change. It, I think it would only push me deeper into my own perceptions. What is needed in my life is, are the voices of others. There are many ways one can encounter others' voices, and as I shared last week, I've chosen a, a non-defensive posture of listening to those whose experience is not like my own. I have also encountered others by, by, by reading uh, as many books as I can, I can digest from those whose perceptions uh, and perspectives are different from my own. And I'll give you two examples. Uh, two winters ago, Drew Hart, who is the author of Trouble I've Seen, and Rod Thomas from The Resist Daily, and others hosted a, a Twitter chat for, with the hashtag James Cohn was right. And they, they were inspired by Cohn's writings, and they looked at events in Ferguson, Missouri, and, and other areas of the U.S. through the lens of what Hart calls Anablacktivism, or Anabaptist Black Activism. And you can read this entire chat for yourself if you go to the Storify link that I'll put in this week's e-site. But I had just begun reading James Cohn, and when this chat happened, um, I decided, because I had just begun my journey with Cohn, I decided to follow along and just listen. I wasn't going to participate, wasn't going to say anything. I was just going to listen. During the comments, someone mentioned a point of Cones, which was also taught by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and then someone else replied that they should not run from Cone to white European male theologians so quickly. And I felt my initial internal defenses surge, my defensiveness just surge. And, and I, I thought, what is going on? Bonhoeffer stood up to, to oppression and solidarity 
solidarity with the Jewish citizens of Germany, but now we're going to just lump him in with all the other white European theologians just because he was a white and and just because he was male? And, 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 and where did that leave me then? And this was the only time that I was tempted to jump into the flow of the conversation rather than simply listening. But I, I heard the voice inside me say, there it is, sit on that, just listen. So as I kept listening, I began to see how much the church had privileged white theologians and their opinions and their contributions. And I also saw the great need to center theological discussions and understandings in womanist, feminist, black, Latin, and queer theologians as well. I realized that it, it was inappropriate to consider theology by, by white theologians real theology while downgrading theology done by other kinds of people to a, a lesser category. Now, other theological perfe- perspectives are, are just as valuable as white theology. And for me, who grew into Christianity with only white theologians as my authorities and teachers, uh, they're even more valuable because I need to broaden my view of, of the church. A great read, if you'd like to explore this further, is, is the book I quoted from last week, White Theology, Outing Supremacy in Modernity by Jane, James W. Perkinson. Sitting with the chat comments rather than defensively responding on behalf of a writer I still respect, it gave me a chance to, to see that bigger picture. It also challenged me not to get stuck in self-defense or even self-pity, but to keep reaching out to others and, 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 and the, especially those that I needed to learn from. The, the, the second way I've learned to listen is not just by recognizing which the theologians aren't privileged in the Christian community, but by actually reading these theologians and their work. Again, as a, a white, cis-hetero male Christian, I must choose to listen to those who's, who, who approach theology and, and who follow Jesus from a different perspective than my own. The theologians that I wasn't exposed to during my first few years in Christianity, they're no more infallible than anyone else. And like me, they, they also have specks in their eyes that need removing. Yet their experience and the experience they use as they approach theology and ethics and morality, it gives them a unique advantage at showing me the beam in my own eye. And, and a sample of, of the different theological voices that I've sought out. I'll give links to each one of these books um, in, in uh, this e-site this week. But for feminist theology, I would recommend Text of Terror, Literary Feminist Readings of Biblical Narratives, Overtures to Biblical Theology by Phyllis Tribble. Uh, for womanist theology, I would recommend Sisters in the Wilderness, The Challenge of Womanist God Talk by Dolores S. Williams. For liberation theology, a great place to start is A Theology of Liberation, 15th Anniversary Edition by Gustavo Gutierrez. Uh, Black Liberation Theology, uh, Black Theology of Liberation, 40th Anniversary Edition by James H. Cohn. And for Queer Theology, The Queer God by Marcella um, Althaeus Reed. All five of these lenses have been incredibly helpful as I've come to see the beams in my own eye. Each of these authors, uh, they've taught me to, to see how easily it once was for me to judge those who were unlike me, to morally evaluate them while cherishing um, what, what I call a, a subtle or subconscious sense uh, of moral superiority to them. And I found it much easier to judge those not like me than to stop and to listen.
I'm still on this listening journey, and I'm thankful for those who, out of love, have have chosen to be in community with me and and to help me grow in compassion and in understanding. And I hope that that they grow as well. The world that actually exists is a lot larger than I once believed, and I'm deeply grateful to those who have taken painstaking steps to to show it to me. So introspection for you, what does that look like? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for you? this week to prioritize your own I-beams rather than than rushing to others' I-specs. And and both Luke and Matthew's Gospels describe our our logs as compared to other people's splinters. And this saying comes in in both Gospels' summaries of of Jesus' teachings about judging others. Saying's Gospel Q places it in the same context, uh, whereas Gospel of Thomas groups this saying with the the teachings on, on taking care of one's brother. And again, you can find that in Gospel of Thomas 25 through 26. But Luke shares this saying with with Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. Matthew includes it in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Both locations uh, represent a a view that the early followers of Jesus saw this as a core of Jesus' ethical and moral teaching. Each of the Gospel writers felt uh, uh, this teaching about our logs and other splinters was, was central to their memory of Jesus. And if Jesus taught that we should begin changing our world by starting with ourselves, what would this mean for you? Could this challenge the the knee-jerk response of all lives matter to the movement for black lives? Uh, Perhaps it could halt a a defensive explanation that not all Christians are like that when someone who has been deeply wounded by Christians shares some of uh, of their their pain. And when a friend laments how they've uh, been treated in in this society, Jesus' teaching could stop me from replying, well, not all men are like that. It can at least mean that we all hold our initial reflex of defensiveness and we take a posture of listening to others. Where it goes from there will be different for each person, but we have to come to grips with the fact that the greatest obstacles to a safer, more just, more compassionate world for us will will not be the dust in another's eyes, but rather the beams that are in our own. For all those who desire to lean more deeply into the teachings of Jesus, and into making the world a safer, more just, more compassionate home for us all and, and for all who want to, to become more keenly aware of your own blind spots. Sayings Gospel Q 641-42 states, Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but the beam in your own eye you overlook? How can you say to your brother, let me throw out the speck from your eye and just look at the beam in your own eye? Hypocrite, first throw out from your own eye the beam, and then you will see clearly to throw out the speck in your brother's eye. Heart group application this week. Number one, this week, pick a book from the list of the five above that that your heart group will read over the next month. And then number two, set a date uh, a month from now that that you'll come together and share with each other your responses to what you've read. And as you engage uh, the book that you've chosen, also engage your fellow heart group participants in conversation about the book to to deepen your your beam removal. And then number three, at the end of your group's discussion, choose a new action to embrace as a result of of what you've read and and discussed. So thank you once again for journeying with us as we work through Sang's Gospel Q till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.
you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free, even our educational events that we do in various venues. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. Make sure you also sign up for our free resources, and remember, every little bit helps. And as always, anything we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are making both systemic and personal differences, significant differences in the lives of those not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue being a presence of positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. Mm -hmm.